Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. After a Flames loss in overtime to Toronto and the day of the Flames taking on the Ottawa Senators, get used to that one uh, as we are ready for a game day here on Sportsnet 960. The fan Peter Klein, Will Nault with you today. This is Hockey Central at noon. We will be hearing from Kevin Woodley at the bottom of the hour and we'll be hearing from you on the text line at 960-960. Without any further ado, let's get to Peter Labardius. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Mr. Lubardius. How are you today, sir? Hi, fellas. How, how's everybody today? Doing well. Uh, fun hockey game Good. last night, so uh, no, no complaints behind this, Mike. Will, how are you? Yeah, I, I hate the I hate the sport of hockey, and I can't believe I'm talking about it on the radio. So uh, awful day, <laughs> yeah. yeah, awful day. It stinks. I, I, you know what? I don't know if I'm. I've had it with hockey to the point where, you know, I'm not even going to go see another game this week, at least until tomorrow afternoon at two, to watch Stockton and the Marlies for the third time. <laughs> Well, I appreciate both of you guys grinding through your hatred of the sport, so we can. Uh, <laughs> actually, quickly, just a quick, just a quick yeah, note on that, that, though. Is, awesome. it, I love that. Yeah, yeah That's great, a great start to the uh, to the hit today. Just, just a quick aside, Lou. Uh, how much are you yes. enjoying getting your own two eyes on the heat on a regular basis? You know what, pal? It's 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 fantastic, um, and I I don't take it for granted. I, I feel more fortunate probably than ever to have an opportunity to to watch hockey live in person it's live sport for me there's there's nothing like it it's where i learn it's where i observe it's where i you know bump into all kinds of different hockey people it's it's really you know going to games um in my lifetime not just hockey but all sports is you know really set the base for everything in my life that I've been able to do. So um, I'm so sorry for people who would just give everything to, to get to a game. And, and you know what, well, and I know it's a little off the topic, but you know what I'm really hoping for when this situation at least gets back to normal is that in a sense, you know, all our focus, and I understand why, and it's what we're talking about today, and that's the NHL and the Calgary Flames, and it, it, it's the biggest deal. But I'm just hoping that, you know, when the doors come open again, whether, you know, you feel just a little differently about getting to see your kids play again, you know, mm. or to go to a under-18 game or, a, you know, under-15 game or you know, especially closer to home, an opportunity to watch the Calgary Hitmen. Um, you know, all of it. The Okotoks Oilers. It's it's a beautiful game. You know, we love it. And in life, we realize, don't we guys, pretty fast, how much we can sometimes, I think, take things for granted and how much we really probably love it and look at it when we can't do it anymore or even when we can't do it the same way anymore. So mm-hmm. I never I never lose sight of that, and, and I try my best, even though I'm very fortunate to, to not take 
that opportunity for granted. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak for for Klein. I I certainly, you know, we obviously are in a very privileged uh, profession, and I, I understand that every single day that I get to do this and talk about sports and, you know, talk about the things that people go away from their own work to, to go and do and get distracted. That's that's my work, and I'm very fortunate and very lucky to do that. It's 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 crazy that you bring that up. It's it's something I thought a lot about, Lou, as, as you know, I, I don't know, you know, for me and, and, and certainly for Klein, I know, He's got a little bit more work in terms of smaller markets than I do, but he's been to Toronto. He's worked with TSN and all that type of stuff. I, you know, I've been very privileged. I, I have not been a, a broadcaster for too, too long. I'm coming up on a decade, but a lot of that's been spent in my hometown and in a major market with air quotes as, as you know, this is obviously going in school as fully prepared to, to move to the middle of nowhere and, and do whatever and, and, and call junior A hockey or junior B hockey or whatever the case may be. But it worked out where I didn't have to do that. And it just, you know, when you hit, when you said take, getting something taken away from you and, and, and taking things for granted just kind of hit home there a little bit because, yeah, I've been very, very lucky. And, and, you know, to be able to cover and do as many NHL games as I have at my age is, is very, very rare. And, um, you know, to not be able to do that on a regular basis is, is really unfortunate. And, yeah, I, I think you're – you're bang on when, when things do get back, whether it's the Hitman or the Okotoks Oilers or, or, or the Max Midget when it's back, whatever the case may be, um, just to, to get there. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy how you go back to that a year ago pretty much as we're closing in on, on the middle of March again, but uh, been in this pandemic for a year and it's really allowed and, and, and you know, made us look at things a lot differently. Yeah, and you know what I'd also say, guys, and, and I'd start with the hockey team that we cover, and needless to say, I rarely ever stop thinking it's who I am um, and and try to look at it from, you know, all sides and all people's sides and try to get to know people well enough to understand what matters to them. You know, I think something at times we all need to challenge ourselves a little bit more to do, but, you know, even the heat – this year and it's not Stockton but on the hockey team itself in the city don't you guys think a lot of it has to do with when you don't necessarily have some of the other distractions and and we are all in our own way thanks to COVID I know this from my own standpoint we all want to be excited you know we we all want to kind of hitch our wagon to to something to feel better about to to draw, you know, to draw community, to, to connect with other people. However, what I've found is this fan base right now, and I get it, I live it, I breathe it, I'm in the middle of it. I have to navigate it every day. And I'm out there and I've been out there being vulnerable in, in my own way, giving opinions, um, I don't always see things the same way as other people. I'm, I'm never going to necessarily be, you know, a hot take guy. It's just not who I am and what I believe in. But the temperature, I believe, right now, I think it led to what happened in Montreal, um, in part. There's just, you know, in this era of the world that we're in, guys, things get hot fast. And things get said fast and feelings get hurt fast. 
because at a time when we're actually trying as as humans to grow closer and find connection you know in some ways we have the avenues and social media and platforms that even though i don't think we really see a whole lot of things much different boy we're really hanging on to our own stuff aren't we Hmm. no for sure and it does seem like it is a whole lot more difficult to have um, nuanced conversations at times um, with certain people yeah. about certain things. So that, that's why I appreciate these it's chats because, yeah, um, but that, that's why I appreciate these chats because you and I come, we have some similarities in how we watch the sport, but we have some differences as well and we can kind of talk through it. And I, I certainly learn a lot from, from your perspective and I, I hope there's at least a couple things you can take away. Um, but that's why I, I like these is that, that there needs to be nuance in, in some of these discussions. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, uh, you talk about highlights, things that make me excited. And at some point we'll get the hockey, but I think every once in a while, you know, when the temperature is on fire, we need to just settle down and breathe a little bit. Um, you know, to both of you, you know, it really is, is, is kind of the old guy and, the veteran guy who's been to Estevan for four years and been to Toronto and, you know, frankly been so fortunate and have had, had experiences in different places. All you want to just try to do is, is take your experience. You've been so lucky to learn from people who, you know, as much as were um, in a position to have a platform, well, you know, unlike coaches and managers and players, you know, our livelihoods, they do depend on it, but it's not the same. You know, it's, it's not the same. So how, and, and Peter, I love how you phrased it. Um, and, and with every generation, things are a little different. So I always, the best I can, I want to listen. I want to understand where, you know, you 30s come from. And then when you're me, try at least to move the needle through where I've come from, where I've been, so that we can both learn and, and hopefully on a radio station find a way to not appease, but to educate. And I, I said this this morning in a text. So my role as the analyst of the Calgary Flames, I'm not a player, not an ex-player, just somebody who's been around the game and I think pretty dedicated to the game at all levels my whole life. Live it, breathe it, care about it, probably care about it too much. Not very balanced. And it's cost me things in my own personal life, and I've had to come to grips with that too. Not easy. But in saying that, very proud of, of a lot of things. And if we can make one another better in how we look at the game, understand the game, educate ourselves. I always, I don't want to be hot take guy, but I think you guys both know me well enough to know I'm going to sit back. I'm going to watch. I'm going to think what I think. And it's not like I don't have strong opinions. I'm a pretty intense guy with strong opinions. I don't get them all right. I don't pretend to get them all right. But, but my philosophy has always been, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be around it. I'm going to try to learn from the people who, you know, are more educated 
because it's their livelihood, take away, and then generally I'm going to try and run things by those people in the game to see if it's close and then go from there. That's, that's, that's the way I have always approached it since I was 18 years old in Estevan, Saskatchewan, and I'm not going to stop. I might have to because somebody might say, well, that's not what we want. And that's it. When that day comes, that's okay. Um, shifting gears to the, the Calgary flames. Uh, I, I don't think it matters what perspective <laughs> your, your hockey uh, viewing comes from. Everyone can agree. David Riddick was awesome last night. And that doesn't matter if you're 15 or 50, you could see that David Riddick was fantastic last night. Um, your thoughts on Calgary's performance against the Leafs. Well, um, let's start with David. So I, I applied. Is there David really any other place way. to start? No, actually, Will, I think there is. Okay. I really do. And we'll get, we'll get there um, because, again, that's maybe where even today's difference of opinion comes from. So I have seen great maturity in David's game. He's a very emotional guy. Um, being emotional is what makes him a great competitor. He's a very gregarious person. Um, and he's really, because he's so emotional and so invested, if you're one of those people, your worst enemy sometimes and how you go about your business can be you. So he went to work this summer. He did some different things. He comes back. The Flames have obtained an elite-level goaltender. So this guy's not only battling for time, he's battling for his NHL life. That's, that's clear. Um, but when I watch him right now, for someone who hasn't played a lot, I see a quieter goalie. I see a goalie who's very in control in his movements, in how he's reading the game, how he's absorbing the puck. And that was shared earlier today by his head coach, that his mindset and his focus is in a great place. He hasn't lost the fire, trust me. You watch him practice and watch how he goes about his business. This is someone who has been challenged to do it different. And he went and he sought some help in order to get the part of his game together that was plaguing him. And that's on the mental side. And for that, I applaud it. He has been an outstanding goalie. And while he's been asked about his confidence, confidence, when you're playing at that level, don't, don't let anybody like talk you into anything else. He's been terrific. And here he is after last night's outstanding performance. I mean, I don't know. Some confidence, for sure. I, I felt very good again today, and uh, it just he just scored a minute and a half to the end, so it's hard to say something. And you can definitely hear the, the, the passion that he had. And you saw it on the ice, too, as he slams the stick on the way out. This is a dude, like you talked about, he certainly hasn't lost that competitive edge as this whole thing has gone along. He cares. He cares a lot. And as I've learned in, in living my life, 
the hard part for emotional, passionate people is how you use that emotion in the best way. And I think he's using that emotion in the best way. And I applaud him. I applaud him for doing different. This guy's had to work for everything he's arrived at. And, and it's difficult in our life, guys, when you work, when you're devoted, when you're all in. And listen, people are always going to find reasons to go in a different direction. But this guy dug in. And the fruits of his labor and his commitment to doing different is paying dividends. And I'm the first guy in line to say, good on you. Well, you mentioned some of the other things from last night. I had said that, you know, was there any other place to start than Riddick? And you said that there were. And you think there are some things here. We talk all the time about springboards or building blocks. These two games in Toronto, Lou, why are they a building block for the Calgary Flames? Well, they're a building block, Will, because I truly believe that when you assess your team, when you assess hockey games, you have to account for your opponent. So this was a team that's battle level, commitment to defending, being harder to play against, was it not in a pretty bad place? Can we all go there and agree on that together? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So in the last two games against a terrific opponent, and a terrific opponent that I think, and we've talked about it on this show, this is not the same Toronto Maple Leafs you're dealing with. They're not. And coaches and people in the game have confirmed this to me when I've asked the questions. They are doing it different. They are as gifted as any team you'll find. And they're pretty gifted top to bottom, too. Even with some key people out of their lineup. But as last night showed, they're not afraid to get in the mud. They, they're starting to learn how to play. They, they wanted to be kind of that freewheeling have the puck, we have it a lot. But even in the series against Columbus, they had it a lot. However, did they get to hard places to score? How do the Columbus Blue Jackets outscore the Toronto Maple Leafs in a playoff series when the Leafs have the puck all the time by a count of 10 to 3 at 5 on 5? Well, that tells me that the details of their game need some work but they're committed and they're okay to go in the muck you certainly don't want to get into a trade chances game with that group because you're going to pay that's a different game and when i look at how the flames killed penalties 11 for 11 how they protected the house area last night how they battled to be honest and it was confirmed today by a couple of people that in terms of, you know, whatever metrics you want to use, the Flames did not give up a lot of five-on-five high-danger opportunities. In fact, if you go back and watch the game, guys, you know where they made some of their biggest mistakes? 
when they were on the power play. Mm-hmm. Zone entries. The last two games, they've given up big chances to one unit in particular when the other team has taken possession of the puck. I mean, Ilya Mikheyev was robbed three different times in the last two games in those kind of situations. But when you compare the Vancouver game on that Saturday night to how this team's commitment was to playing the right way, defending now, as even the head coach talked about, and you can hear it coming up on Flames warm-up on the coach's show, now it's about marrying. They, they, they've put a foundation together, but you can't assess every game against every team the same way. Do we really think the Flames are going to, you know, prosper in a run-and-gun type of game against the Toronto Maple Leafs? I sure as heck don't. But tonight when I'm assessing, understanding that, okay, the Flames have had great investment in going toe-to-toe with the Toronto Maple Leafs and taking three of four points. Well, now you're playing Ottawa. It's a different challenge, a different group. Am I going to assess how they play tonight differently? Yes, I am. But I also have to understand in assessing how tonight's game goes that your tank is probably a little down. And Ottawa is going to work their tail off. And they, they're refreshed and they're feeling better coming off some good performances. So tonight is about... Be in your structure, be simple, be smart, and yes, there's no reason not for the Flames' better players to find themselves more offensive zone time if they're doing all those other things the right way. And here's Jeff Ward on the strides he thinks his team has made away from the puck. You know, I, I thought we played an awful lot of good hockey against a good team. And, you know, one thing that uh, that I really felt was that our defensive details outside of a couple of the breakdowns, like I just mentioned, were, were fairly good through both games, um, you know, in terms of the things you need to have happen. And and we've got, uh, you know, we've got different game goals that we talk about. And uh, we've been we've been locked into those things uh, that, you know, in terms of meeting those numbers on a, on a game-by-game basis, it's becoming much more consistent for us. So, you know, we're moving in the right direction, but there's an awful lot of things that, uh, that we liked about, uh, you know, about being able to take three or four points in Toronto. And as they, uh, as they should have, I, I guess for me, Lou, cause I, I I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. You don't want to play running gun and you defended about as well as you can. And your goaltender was brilliant. I, I guess just for me last night in particular, um, about five minutes in the second period to the end of the game, it just felt like it was white knuckle and not saying they were panicking or running around or anything like that. Um, so that's, that's a good sign, but it just felt like it was all Riddick and anytime the flames had the puck, it was over the red line and dump and change. And that was over and over and over again. And we saw that for 35 minutes. So it, it's just part of, I guess, growing and taking those next steps and being able to now make that a complete effort and do that offensively as well. Or how do you, how do you make that so I'm not displeased with half your game? Because you defended well, but you really made no offensive threat in the final 35 minutes of the game. Well, what do you think? What do you think the team 
I'm not talking about other sources. What do you think the team had probably five-on-five dangerous scoring chances at last night? Uh, Probably pretty even. Right. So if that's the case, are you not – are you not, is that not a good place to start in terms but, of the opponent yeah. and what they bring at you? Yeah, I, I just, I feel like the Calgary's probably, I'd like to see their breakdown because I, I don't feel like they had any in the second half of the game in terms of okay, outside fine. of the Manjapani goal where they actually converted. I, I can't see where they had a ton of dangerous in the slot chances. Unless I'm, I, hey, I, I could ask, be alone. Let me that. ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Are your expectations when you play the Toronto Maple Leafs going to be that you think you're going to be the team that creates more chances with the personnel they have than you do, than they do? Absolutely not. So, so if I'm in a game in any sport and I probably feel like another team has the opportunity to dictate to me and has a lineup that, from top to bottom, can create more chances than I do, what area of my game in that matchup has to be really strong? Your own zone. All three zones, and I better do a pretty good job knowing they're probably going to have the puck more than I do of how I protect the front of the house. I think against the Toronto Maple Leafs, all things considered, knowing that the Leafs would come back with a bigger push, if those chances last night were in the neighborhood, and I don't have the exact number, but I think the chances that the Flames had were around 5-on-5, 13-9. Are you okay with that when those two teams play? Yeah, for sure. I'm probably being too hard of a marker. There's absolutely no no question. Um, but if it happens again tonight, there's no excuse in my opinion. You can't be dumping the puck in from the red line for the half of the game. But I, I know what you're hit. saying because you're, you're talking about that's you're talking what the about, hits about right? Specific. Yeah, right. 100%. You can't you can't assess your group the same way. And even for those people listening who think in game three of four against Ottawa. Well, look at it. Look at it past the standings. Think about the investment your team has just put in. Think about the type of group that you're facing. What I'm looking for tonight is, again, if the foundation is good away from the puck, well, maybe I didn't create a bunch against a team like Toronto, but if I'm simple and I take care of the puck, and I get on the four check against this team, I think there's a different reason to look at a game like tonight in how, but it, but well, all I'm trying to say is it's, it's, you got to assess the opponent and I know, you know, and your play will dictate if the, all I'm saying, I could put it in one sentence. If you play with the same foundation and the same battle level against the Ottawa Senators, 
that you did, or at least to the best of your ability, considering a three and four, I'm pretty sure you're going to generate way more opportunities against that group than that game on the table against the Leafs would produce. We'll have to find out five of the next six against that Ottawa team. And, and yeah, I, I guess we'll uh, we'll see if they can put it on the table again tonight. They're going with Redick in between the pipes on the Ottawa side. Obviously, many are focused on Kachuk. Kachuk, you can touch on that if you want, Lou, but you also had a couple of other sends you were keeping an eye on tonight. Well, two other sends, and you know I love this guy, Tim Stutzla. Man alive. And it started at not this World Junior, but the 2020 World Junior in the Czech Republic. I saw a young man in that tournament playing against Canada, the United States, Russia. It was the group of toughness, unlike the group Canada was in this year when they played Germany again. And and all I saw was a guy even in that tournament that was noticeable, skated, he competed like nobody's business um i loved what i saw and then this year at the world junior with it remember they were playing with 14 skaters 14 skaters when that tournament happened well he dragged germany with some good help some good help but he was the driver he dragged that shorthanded group that had to play all those games shorthanded because of covid had 10 points, was named the top forward in the tournament, put his country in a place they'd never been at that event before, and now has five goals in exactly the same numbers in the NHL <laughs> that he had in that tournament, five and five for 10. So I'm excited about him. And another player that I think starting to come into his own, and, and we'll have lots of time for Kachuk versus Kachuk, and it's always fun, but we'll have lots of time to get there is Drake Batherson. Batherson is on a roll right now. He's got five points in his last three games. He's already almost matched his total of last year. Again, helped Canada to a World Junior Gold Medal in Buffalo. Made a pretty big play on Steenbergen's game winner against the Swedes. You know, he just dug it out of the corner. Back to the line in Timmins, through the seam could replay that one in my head all day long and happy to do it um smart reads the game can shoot it i i like watching this ottawa team they've got a long way to go do not take them lightly do not take them lightly and and i feel a little bit for the flames because of what i stated earlier a lot of investment has gone into the last couple of games And we will see how it all plays out tonight. Lou, enjoy the game, and we'll chat all about it tomorrow. Thanks, guys. An absolute pleasure. Have a great afternoon. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Still time to try to get into Lou's mailbag for the week. Sportsnet.ca slash 960. You ask the question, if 
he answers it, you'll be getting a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. We do this Fridays at noon. Winners will be selected weekly until the end of the regular season. So if we don't get to yours this week, send us another one for next week. And you might have a chance to be walking away with $100 to Ruth's Chris. Lose Mailbag brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Relax and enjoy while Ruth's Chris makes the experience safe and comfortable for everyone. Book your table today. Go Flames go obviously the goaltending position very much in the spotlight in this city david riddick has been fantastic over the last couple of games we will get more from our goalie expert kevin woodley coming up next hockey central at noon on sportsnet 960 the fan you ready for the Flames and the Ottawa Senators tonight, uh, the first of five in six, five in 11 days. They, they play each other a bunch over the next little while. Uh, tonight, it is a five o'clock start, which means a four o'clock warm-up. Kevin Woodley joins Ryan Pinder every Thursday in an interview. So nice, we play it twice. Uh, here is their conversation from earlier today. It's Kevin Woodley of In Goal Magazine. Sorry, Kev, we, uh, we have had a serious derailment this morning. Our apologies. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just, you know, waiting with bated breath to have our weekly conversation. So I'm just excited to be here. No problem. Uh, three words. Big save, Dave. Your thoughts. Big, big save, Dave is back because I don't have the numbers um, from last night. They haven't sort of gone through the ClearSight system. Uh, ClearSight analytics are being processed right now. But that three nothing shutout was the definition of a stolen win by a goaltender. Uh, the expected goals for the Maple Leafs were th- like three point three, so almost three and a half goals. Um, eight high percentage chances against shooters like that. Like that was, I mean, it was it, it was just it's exactly how you do anything more than a goal uh, below expected is a stolen win. And that was, that was a big time stolen win. And by the looks of it, you know, anecdotally last night, I would expect them to turn out similarly. So this is a good thing for him. Um, You know, and you know, maybe a lesson in a little bit too, in terms of usage, but also just, kind of what we expected, right? We talked about going into the season, how this could be a really good tandem for them. Like that Markstrom was capable of elite level goaltending. He'd shown it, but that hopefully, you know, it would take a little bit of the pressure off of, of David Riddich and you'd be able to also get some of the performances you were getting out of him before he was asked to be the number one. And so maybe the most positive thing is that in a high pressure moment, he played this well. Um, and that's, you know, cause when you look at his numbers, they've been good over the past couple of seasons. The only spot where they've kind of cratered is when you sort them for sort of tight games and, and tight games late and those types of situations, which, you know, which it can do, the numbers fall off. So to see him go into this environment under this pressure, um, with everything that's going on with the team, with Jacob Markstrom out, which with as good as Jacob Markstrom has been early, uh, just you know the way he handled it was was fantastic. And again, you know maybe a sign here that you might have let this guy sit a little too long. You, you know this is you don't want to lose him. He's capable of this, but also you don't want to play the wheels off Jacob Markstrom. So ho- hopefully a little bit of a lesson learned on both regards. It's a lovely silver lining, no doubt. And I think it's a reminder because it's been so long since we've seen uh, Riddich in fine form. But but you, we do remember, this was arguably their MVP at the midpoint of the last two seasons. He was that good both years. But both years he, he ran into either injuries or fatigue or both. 
um, and lost the reins to Mike Smith two years ago to Cam Talbot last year. Do you see Riddich as the type of guy that will perform better in a, in a 1B role with just maybe a shade under half the workload kind of thing? Well, I mean, that's been the MO, right? So that's, that, that's the conclusion that you, you kind of go to. But he's got a style of game. Like, there, there's an active portion to his game that makes you think, um, that makes you worry about only playing him once every two weeks. Like, that was what was most impressive about the Toronto game, was we hadn't played much, and he comes in and does that, because I felt he might be a guy that relies a little more on rhythm and timing and feel. Like, he plays on emotion, right? He's talked about that. He's open about yep. that. And so how do you maintain that when you're not playing? Like, that's a challenge. That's not easy to do. It's why Pekka his decline once he was no longer the number one in, in Nashville was quite predictable, because he, wa- he was used to being out there all the time, and his game suited being out there all the time. And there are elements of Rich that you wondered, hey, is this guy going to struggle not being the guy, and do you need to play him more? So really good effort on his part to be able to sort of overcome all those question marks. But again, a, a reminder that um, he's capable of this. And even the early numbers, we talked about this, the first couple of starts, there was only one bad goal in there. What was missing was the big saves. Um, the saves that, frankly, you can't ask your goaltender to make every night, but you need. And he delivered those in these last two games. So I think it's just a matter now of when you get Markstrom back is maybe recognizing that, hey, we can't – you don't need to roll him out seven in a row, right? You just yeah, don't. Totally. 14 and, to 16 and, to start the year, that was just too much. And the the yeah. more you sit Riddick out, the harder it is to go to him in a weird way. It's like a vicious circle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, Um Let's move, I guess, one final one really quick. Third yeah. game in four nights for the Flames tonight. I don't get the sense Markstrom's close, uh, but this, this coach hasn't told us a lot about injuries. He likes playing it tight to his vest, which is that's totally fine. He can do what he wants. Uh, wasn't on the, the bench, wasn't working the gate the last two. Any issues with Riddick going again, or do you like a guy when he's in rhythm, or, or is that workload a little too big from last night? Ah, three and four. I mean, if if you know, again, a, if it's three and four at the end of a month where he, you know, you've ridden him into the ground, like you know, say Miko Koskinen in Edmonton, you're a little worried. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, given his workload to this point, I think he would, you know, he would probably be able to handle it. Um, you know, and again, the fact that Markstrom wasn't on the bench, pro- probably like you're right, probably an indication he's not close to returning. But you know, also a trend we're seeing around the league, and one. You know, that if you've got three goalies on the roster, um, giving that guy the rest of not playing him in the game, the Leafs have done it, Jersey's done it, Anaheim's done it for their workhorse number ones. Like, on nights when your number one isn't starting, if you have the space to have the taxi squad guy actually on your roster, do it, yeah. Put him on the bench, right? Because Save him you have no intention. Skate, if right? you know you have no intention of putting your number one in there cold off the bench, why make him go through all the warm up, all the routine, take shots in the pregame? Like, there's no point. Rest matters, and use that third goaltender as a weapon to get your guy extra rest. Some teams have figured it out. Some teams just frankly don't have the space to to make it work. But for those that do and aren't utilizing it, to me, it's a lost opportunity for extra rest. Uh, I have a theory the North Division is going to kill us all. Um, if you look at fan bases, six fan bases have expectations of playoffs. And the start of the year, it was rough in Edmonton in the early going. Mike Smith was hurt. Koskin was overworked. They couldn't get saves. Then the blame and, and the focus shifted to Vancouver where Benning and Green and the owner and everyone was under fire. You know, sink the franchise into the ocean. It was so bad. Calgary's had their turn. They've come out of it with this two-game swing in Toronto, 
now Montreal fires a coach. Um, <laughs> there's no nights where you're playing in markets that don't care about this stuff. And I don't know who's next, but I wonder if you could speak to Carey Price's role in what's happened in Montreal. What have you seen from him? And would a few more saves to see the Claude Julien still behind the bench, or is that getting too far down the speculation train for you? Uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I can't say whether whether a few more saves save Claude Julien's job, but you know, it certainly would would change their situation. And they're getting them from Jake Allen, and they're not from Carey Price. And this is a subject. You know, I like to be careful with, um, and everybody say, oh, you know, like, hey, listen, I'm a Carey Price guy. Um, so full disclosure, we do, we do a charity thing with him every summer. He's been very good to us at Ingle Magazine. But again, the numbers don't lie. And so the reason I, I sort of hedge here is because the temptation seems to be around the league. And I saw this heading into the playoffs last year. The playoff bubble is like, Carey Price hasn't been a good goaltender since he won the Vezina and the Hart. Like they, they, like, they seem to throw a blanket over the last five years. Two years ago, when Andre Vasilevsky won the Vesna Trophy, Carey Price should have been a finalist. He was the only guy who was close to Vasilevsky statistically when you weighed shot quality uh, in terms of the amount of goals he saved. He was right there. He was number two in the NHL. He should have been a finalist. So the narrative that he hasn't been good since he won the Vesna and the Hart and the injuries played a role, but that narrative is horse crap, frankly. But if you're asking me about this year, he hasn't been good. And the part that is kind of mysterious to me and damning to him and troublesome for the Canadians is it's the easy shots that are giving him fits. Like he's given up four clear sighted shots um, from outside the slot. These are the lowest of low danger shots. He's given up four goals already on that this season on 118 shots. For example, last year, one of the things that made Jacob Markstrom so good in Vancouver is he didn't give up a single one on over 400 of those shots. Crazy. Kerry's already given up four. Like, this is a problem. When you give up these goals, your team loses games, unless the other goalie reciprocates, and that doesn't happen very often. So this is a problem for the Montreal Canadiens. Screens are another issue, and that's where it's not all on price, but he's given up nine screen goals already this season. Should have given up at most five. Like, these are, these are big numbers, and, and they're big numbers in the red as I look at them in front of me. And so two things come to mind on the clear-sighted stuff we always think of him as just like this how-to goalie DVD in terms of movement. I see a lot of, you know, set and square is a principle of goaltending that, you know, it's a foundation. It's been a big part of his game um, throughout the, the last year as we had sort of the bubble and time off and goalie coaches all looking around the league. It, conversations I had around the league, it was a principle everyone was returning to. And when I watch carry on these long goals, when I pull up that video, a lot of the times he's not square. He's not set. He's moving. Sometimes he's cheating. Sometimes he's anticipating. And he's getting beat by clean looks from 40 feet. And, and that can't happen. The screens, I think, is a function of getting a little locked in low and wide. Um, if you watch Jacob Markstrom, you will notice he has a multi-stance system. So watch him when he gets back. When that play is out on the perimeter around the tops of the points, he's very upright. He uses his size to look over traffic. He realizes, I don't need to be locked in low and wide in a safe preparation stance. That puck's got a ways to go before it comes to me. 
Kerry tends right now to get it locked into that save execution stance a little prematurely. And he moves as well as anyone out of it, and it allows him to do that. It's one of the things that makes him carry price. Most guys, once you spread the legs out like that and get locked in, it's hard to move laterally. Kerry's exceptional at it. But I do wonder if it's giving him trouble in terms of looking around bodies and finding pucks through screens because his screen goals against are, are – those are the two areas that are killing him, those outside clean looks and the screen goals. So those will be two things that I expect them to try and clean up. It will be interesting to see if there's an adjustment, especially on screens, uh, in terms of how that team defends. We, we, we made a lot of the big bodies and sort of the St. Louis-type defense that they were building in front of him and clearing out players, and he, and he openly admitted that he liked that but it's also a lot bigger bodies that he has to find pucks around through screens. And a lot of them are sort of defensive screens as well. So, um, you know, neither of those things can continue. If, if you're expecting to have success as a team, um, and the fact they haven't been as big a problem for Jake Allen tells me there's an adjustment that can be made there by Kerry. Let's talk about a couple tandems here in the only division playing hockey because uh, the, the three American ones aren't playing, right? I, I hardly recall seeing any. Hmm. Well, the only time uh, I look at the American <laughs> ones is when when somebody asked me about my preseason prediction about Cal Peterson being a breakout candidate. Oh, He's one of the oh. best guys down there. So I, well, I like Quick's rolling now, too. That's, there. that's a dangerous tandem all of a sudden because Quick, who struggled mightily, has been just lights out for a week plus here. Yeah, Quick has been really good, but like, and this was the this was always going to be the challenge for Peterson, and, and why I the one of the reasons I hedged in a couple spots with the caveat on him as a breakout candidate was there was a ceiling named Jonathan Quick that would prevent him from playing a ton, but statistically Cal Peterson's been one of the best three goaltenders in the NHL, and he fits wow. the new style of game too. Now we just talked about stances. Peterson's narrow stance and ability to move out of it and hold his edges patiently um, is you know, at an elite level, and that's what the game demands right now. And so he's, you know, plus he thinks the game really well. So that's why it was kind of a, uh, it was a, I don't even know if it was a bold prediction. I, he's just that good. Yeah, he's been in a tough environment, it seems, for a while and produced some really good numbers. I, I've always sort of thought it was a pretty impressive entrance to the NHL given the environment. Uh, let's go to Winnipeg and Vancouver while we close. Just a quick thought yep. on what you're seeing in both places uh, that second year on Holtby doesn't look too enticing right now that they signed him to. Now, there is an expansion draft, but I don't know necessarily that he'd be at the top of Seattle's list. And then secondly, Winnipeg, you like how they've used Bressois in terms of that 1A, 1B and not running a number one into the ground. Well, yeah, and, and, and so, you know, th- there was some thought, some surprise, it seemed, that Bressois would start here in Vancouver. Uh, the first of two games last week, and to be honest with you, when you when, when you look do a little deep dive on his numbers in Vancouver, because that guy came in with a 970 save percentage against the Canucks, and this is his hometown. Um, he's listed as Port Alberni, but he's he's from sort of Surrey and Lower Mainland area, uh, and this is where he spends his off season. So. Um, 970 coming in, 981 going out after a shutout. So that made sense. But I loved listening to Paul Maurice explain, like, hey, like we wanted to start him in the first game and have Hellebuck come back on the second game. A, there were some things in Hellebuck's game we wanted to give him time to work on. And this is, again, this is a big part of managing a tandem. It's not just about rest. It's about time to work with the goalie coach. It's about resetting. Miko Koskinen said it when he came back. Like, since Mike Smith came back, his two starts, I think Miko stopped 84 of 86 in two starts. 
since Mike Smith came back. And he was asked about it. Like, this is just about getting rested. He's like, no, it's not about the rest. I wasn't tired. But in order to not be tired for the games, I had to not do all the work that allows me to be at my best. And so I love it when I hear Paul Maurice talk about Winnipeg and, hey, we're going to give Hellebuck the first game off in Vancouver so we can spend some time with Wade Flaherty. And I watched the work they did because I was at the rink all, every day. And then we're going to come back with Hellebuck because if we did it the other way around, they had a gap between their game tonight. It would have been five days off for Hellebuck. So, again, looking at, you know, what's Hellebuck? He needs some work. But if we start him in the second one, his gap between games isn't too big. We start him in the first one, it's five days, and we know that that might not be ideal for him. It's about understanding your goaltenders, both of them, and how to get the most out of them. And that includes finding time to work with the goalie coaches. It's, it's yeah. so important. And listen, I think Jacob Markstrom, and that was something that they managed here well in Vancouver. And I think he's at a point where he needs less of that time. Like, he really does understand his game now. It's not – it's always a work in progress for every goalie because the position evolves so quickly that if you're not evolving too, you're falling behind. But I think he knows his foundation to the point where he doesn't need as much of that work. Mm-hmm. But it's a little alarming when they came through town and they play three here and he plays all of them. Yeah. And then he, has, he goes back – like, I didn't see any of that extra work. And, of course, you wouldn't because he's having to manage his rest. So, again, I think that matters, too, uh, in, in Calgary. I like the way they've managed it in Winnipeg. You're seeing the benefits now in Edmonton. And also, you know, in, on the same page, you're seeing the negatives of when you don't have an opportunity to do that, what happens. So I really do think it's important to sort of find time for both guys. And in terms of Holpe, listen um, – that's the thing. Demko actually hasn't been bad. Top nine in the NHL when you adjust his numbers, which I think surprised even people in Vancouver when I looked it up, uh, a reflection of how bad they've been defensively when you compare his raw numbers to his adjusted. Not so flattering for Holtby, but just as Markstrom had to go through a big adjustment here in terms of how Ian Clark wants him to play, Braden Holtby is too. And the question I can't answer, like I'm not surprised he's struggling when I see the amount of changes he's trying to make. To be honest, I thought he'd make them quicker because I've, I've been on the ice with Brayton Holtby and watched him, like his body control is remarkable, watched him make changes in three days. So the fact this has taken so long, you know, I'm a little surprised by it, but I'm also starting to wonder if, you know, some of the ways he's being asked to play physically don't fit what he's capable of doing physically. Jacob Markstrom, his first year after Ian Clark, told me, uh, he was excited for this. As good as it went, he was more excited for the second year because there were things he couldn't do that Ian wanted him to do physically, and he knew after a summer of training differently, he would be able to. I'm wondering if we're gonna, it's going to take a while, like towards the end of the season, to see Holtby the way Ian Clark wants him to play and maybe into next season, so I'm not willing to write him off yet. But there's a little part of me that's starting to wonder if, if this guy at this age, after this long of doing it another way, can make these changes under Ian Clark and whether forcing them is a good idea. We'll chat next week. It's always great. Appreciate your time. Sorry we were late. No, good. Thanks, Ryan. Talk to you next week. See ya. There's uh, Kevin Woodley in Goal Magazine and NHL.com as the beat reporter for the Vancouver Canucks. 
And there is Ryan Pinder, host of the nine. Um, Kevin Woodley joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza past the steaks and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. That's going to do it for Hockey Central at noon. Uh, if you missed any of the show today, uh, check it out online, sportsnet.ca slash 960. It is a Flames game day after Calgary I, I will say escapes Toronto with uh, an overtime loss. We will talk about that game and what we're expecting from this series against the Ottawa Senators as the big show kicks off.